Hey guys, it's Jason at HardMoneyBankers.com and REI360.net. I have a great guest to introduce to you today. His name is Mike Green from Restora House, located in Baltimore, Maryland. Mike's been one of the leading real estate investors in the Baltimore area. He's probably done close to 500 deals. I'll let him chime in on that in a second. Uh, over the years, he's done wholesales, flips, rentals, auctions. Really great resource uh, across, across the boat of different types of deals. Um, but it's really interesting because the reason I wanted to bring Mike onto the show today is that he's recently changed up his mindset and he's changed up a lot of uh, things inside his business that actually most investors probably would not think about on a regular basis. You know, most investors think, let's go, 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 go. Let me do more deals, more deals, more deals, more deals. And, and Mike uh, has, has recently kind of changed his thought process. So I want, to sh I want him to share some of these really interesting things with you today. So uh, without further ado, welcome, Mike. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up? Um, thanks for being on the show. I certainly appreciate it. Um, why don't you go ahead and just tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got into real estate investing? Yeah, so I think like many people, I got into real estate investing watching way too much flip this house. Uh, I literally was down Ocean City and it was a rainy weekend and I ended up watching like a complete like three season rerun of flip this house. Uh, you know, like Than Merle and Armando Montalongo, and I must have watched like, I mean, 40 episodes over a weekend. I was fairly addicted from there. Uh, within the next four or five years, obviously, having that seed planted into my brain, I started seeking out ways to get into real estate. Um, I, was a, I used to own a flooring business where I sold hardwood floors, carpet. So I wouldn't say I was really in construction. I kind of, you know, that wasn't, I knew how to do floors, that was it, but I didn't know how to do anything else. Uh, so when I did have the opportunity to go to a little school in Baltimore where they taught some investment stuff about 10 years ago, I took that up and from there uh, about 10 years ago I started flipping houses. Since then I've flipped uh, about 470 houses that I've rehabbed but I've done about a thousand transactions on top of that that we've actually auctioned off or wholesaled to other investors. So, you know, a lot of transactions every year. Uh, in 15, we did, we bought 150 houses, flipped about 70 of them, and the rest were just wholesaled or auctioned off to other investors who needed the deals. Um, big thing that we wanted to talk about today, and I think me and you, Jason, we've had a lot of talk about was, uh, I hired a new coach about six months ago who was an E-Myth based coach and about 20 years experience, work with a lot of real estate guys. and. Uh, I'm also a business coach, so I, when I hire guys now, I'm looking for like the next level. You know, you don't want to hire someone that's so far above your head because he really won't do a lot for you. He'll talk to you and things and talk to you about things you don't truly understand yet. But uh, one thing that he helped me with was the fact that I was doing a ton, but my ratios and margins weren't all that great. I mean, we were bringing in about a million dollars in net income that I split with a partner, so I made about $500,000. Uh, which I worked 80 hours a week to accomplish that. Very, very good income. I never would complain about that. Uh, however, it wasn't very sustainable. It was burning my partner out. Uh, certainly for me, I was a little bit of a obsessive sicko, so I kind of enjoyed the 80-hour work weeks, but I know at some point it would have wore a war on personal relationships and stuff like that, lack of having any, because 80 hours a week doesn't really leave room for you know spending time with your wife or your kids or you know just doing the things that you're meant to do in life, right? I mean the whole the whole reason. And I got so overwhelmed and so what I would say like caught up and highly focused in trying to flip more and more houses that I never even took time to sit and say, could I do less and make less and make more money? And so as I created, so what happened six months ago as I hired this coach is I ended up selling my half of my business to my business partner, Jay Pomisano, and uh, he's scaling down his business a little bit. And I went and started Restore House, an old company used to be trusted home buyers. Uh, the new company is doing about 25 deals a year. 
uh, I'll still make about the same five to six hundred K in net income. I'm working about 30 hours a week and I'm averaging double what I was averaging on the homes uh, that I did with Jay in my old company. And I also only have about somewhere roughly around 10 grand a month in expenses. The old business had a hundred grand a month in expenses. So, uh, and that's the first year. So five years into it, it's going to scale up, but it's really never going to scale past what the current team can do. So I was able to bring two, three people. I'll never get it bigger than 30 houses a year just because uh, at some point what I'm going to do instead of making it bigger and doing more volume, I'm going to focus on more profit. And I do that through finding better deals, cutting my costs down, uh, you know, just being more efficient, getting in and out faster, keeping my hard money costs down because I'll actually get in and out the deal quicker, which keeps my costs down. Sure. Yeah. Let, and let's and and I want to. We're going to do a recap related to the way your old business was run compared to your new yeah. business is run, so everyone can see exactly you know how this makes sense. So let's talk about a little bit on your old business. Like how much, yeah. either how much marketing dollars you had to put in, how many employees did you yeah. have, uh, things like that. How many leads you had to run on a regular basis in, okay. order, in order to really get to that top. So level. this this is like your your Bruce Buffer. This is the tail of the tape. The tail of the tape. So essentially what's happening is in the old company, we would spend about 15 grand a month in marketing. We would generate somewhere between 50 to 70 phone calls a week. And that required one, two, two full-time salespeople to run those. And then me and my business partner, Jay, would have to assist them in acquisitions and closing. So it was a pretty decent-sized team to run that many leads and close deals. So that, that's number one. Uh, number two, in addition to that, we had a total of 11 employees, which uh, covered about 60 grand a month in income, plus uh, building expenses, car expenses, uh, you know, everything, insurances, all the things you could think of. And on a really bad month, it ran at about 100k, and a really good month, we ran at about 90k in expenses. Uh, however, we should have been flipping about five houses a month at about $30,000 each. Then it would have made a lot of sense. What would happen some months is because we would, the volume would not actually make us better, it made us, it actually created what I call a law of diminishing returns. Uh, usually have these economy of scales. I made fun that we had the de-economies of scales. Like we scaled up and it got harder to do because there's only so many amazing opportunities. And as you start filtering through those, you just start going to what I call B opportunities and C opportunities. And uh, when you have a company that is that big, you have to start sourcing your deals in areas I call B areas or C areas. And then you start the, the, the risk reward balance starts to get out of balance. You know, it's just not where it is. When you do 10 to 20 houses, there's more than enough opportunity to do all A deals or things we would consider to be A deals. Um, so, old company, we had 10 employees, spent about 100 grand a month, uh, 15 grand a month in marketing, ran about 70 leads. Uh, that would actually, and we bought 150 deals in 2015, which generated a million dollars in net income. A uh, million, like 50 to be exact, you know, right in that ballpark, you know, 54 if we're going to be really exact. Um, the new business, <laughs> if we get really down, someone's in the background really appreciates the numbers. Like, yeah. you know, I actually know that. I'm just kind of rounding it up for the audience. But uh, So the new business in the first six months has made about $300,000 in net income. Uh, I'm only spending roughly about 10 grand a month, so you know a lot less. And that's so 10 all grand over has 10 grand. That includes marketing, everything. everything 10 grand. Employees, marketing. Okay. It, this beautiful office you see me in right now, which happens to it's a nice lazy boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At five o'clock becomes my couch. Yeah, between before that, it's actually not my couch. It's uh, Restore House International. That's currently where we work out of, uh, or Panera Bread. You know, depending if it's lunchtime. Good internet connection, so we keep the cost down. So everything I did, I got really, really what I would say obsessed with cutting costs because I really wanted to test the boundaries of how much I didn't have to do 
in order to make money in this business. Like, I don't even have business cards. I'm six months in. I don't even have business cards. And to be honest, I mean, it's only 50 bucks, but like, I don't literally, I haven't found a reason to actually have them yet for me personally. Sure. So it's little things like that that I'm keeping the cost down. I'm, I'm anything I can do. I have my office at my house. I don't have business cards. I'm not spending money. I, every, my whole business is ran through Google Drive, which doesn't cost me anything. It's ran off my laptop. Uh, I just don't have like anything you need. I'm printing off a $150 printer that scans and does everything it needs to do. And uh, all my employees now are actually not employees. They're 1099 and they're going to be commission based now. So uh, they, the big thing that I learned with the old business was um, what really started to hurt us is the months when we would do three rehabs and we would spend 100K and then three of those would only make 70K in income, we'd lose 40 or 50 grand. And emotionally, that created a toll that was very hard for me and my business partner to sustain and be able to manage, even if the next month maybe we made 250 grand. You know, over the long term, it worked out and we made the money, but there would be these months where it felt like we were, we were going under. But the reality, long term, we were killing it and doing very well. Uh, in the new business, I don't have that issue because I spend so little money every month and everyone gets paid when I get paid. So if a deal closes, then everyone gets paid when the deal closes and I'm not paying. I'm paying out the absolute minimum. Things are being uh, finished before I'm paying. Yeah, makes sense. What, and what is your what do you, your goal or what have what's your average amount of money you're making per flip now? Because they're all A properties yeah. now, right? There's no Bs and Cs. Absolutely. So that, that, uh, my business plan I put together was to do 25 properties at 30K each. Which uh, would run me, let's just run the numbers real quick, would put me at about $700,000 in gross income. And I figured I'd have about $200,000 in total expense, roughly. You know, and that's, uh, that's paying me, too, by the way, yeah. 80 grand a year, because I'm actually paying myself out of that. It's about 120 for, and then also my paycheck on top. Uh, and I would live off that 80 grand a year, and then the rest of the money would stay in my business as retained earnings, so that way I could literally start to build up my cash position. Um, so far in the first six months, I told you, you know, we've done, we've completed. Five five rehabs and we've made two hundred forty thousand dollars on the first five rehabs. We're, we're averaging forty four thousand dollars a house right now. Uh, at THB right before we traded off, we were averaging twenty one. So that gives you it's a huge difference. It's more than double. Yeah, and one actually really big thing related to this entire topic, and we're going to expand on this a little bit, but one big thing that and I actually I think actually heard you say this about a week ago, and it makes a lot of sense, and I think about this inside our business as well, is doing 150 deals a year is a ton. And keep in mind, the market's not going to be like it, it has been over the last eight years. So if you can if you can run a business off $10,000, which isn't a ton of money for, for overhead, and you can run a business with only doing two transactions, you know, picking up two new transactions yeah. a month or maybe a little bit more, that's a hell of a lot easier than 10 at a time because it is hard no matter how big that market is. And at the same time, like you said, you know, you have all this that you need to support. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, the difference between closing, you know, doing 10 deals and eight deals is, you know, you're done. Like that, those two yeah. deals is where you're making all your profit in. But, you know, only doing two or three deals at a time, and it doesn't matter what market we're in, and no matter how crappy or how good the market is, you can find two deals, right? Yeah, uh, it, it's it's, it's, yeah. e it's easy to do. Um, and I, you know, I, and I think that's the kind of the biggest fear of as the market changes and, and I think the market is changing and I think in a lot of areas we are towards the top, but at the same time, like I'm not concerned that there's not going to be any deals. I am concerned that there's not gonna be tons and tons and tons and tons of de tons of deals, but there's always going to be enough that it will all go around for, for each of us. Yeah, so you make a really good valid point, which I focused the ton on. As I've become a business coach a few years ago, I've had to learn a lot about financials. I currently work with a CFO coach who's teaching me a lot of the ratios that are very important in business. And what I realized is I was violating a lot of the, the just basic rules of finance. 
you know, I was just doing things on margins that did not make sense. Even though I was making a million dollars a year in net income, who can argue with that? Oh, well, you're making a million dollars in net income. The problem was that what it took to sustain that was was just literally just too risky, honestly. Any turn, it could just easily turn into a half million dollars. And then it could have turned into, you know, just not enough to really support my business partner and I and the money we want to make. Um, so the reality of the whole thing is this, is that if you learn to create what I call higher profit margins and you kind of lead with revenue, and so the big thing for me now is I, I don't focus on, so okay, I want to just backtrack one bit so this all makes sense. Sure. There was one rule that I learned when I was working with my CFO coach, who's a really smart guy and really taught me a ton with understanding stuff that I didn't understand, is he told me that one of the biggest mistakes that all business owners make is that when they think they want to make more money, they think the way to do so is to increase volume. And he says you never do it by increasing volume, you do it by increasing profit. So you always first make sure that you're making the absolute maximum profit that you can make doing a rehab. So. The reality, making anywhere between thirty-five to fifty grand a house for an average house, it's two hundred to three hundred fifty thousand. If you're making that, I would say you're at the top end of profit margins. Uh, and then, if you're making twenty to twenty-five, you're at the low end of profit margins. Or you're, you know, obviously for people that are successful, um, then there's going to be people that make nothing and lose money, obviously. But I don't count them because we won't call them the people who are going to be flipping for any period of time. Agreed. So. Um, Keeping that in mind, that when you're at twenty to twenty-five thousand, yes, that's a very good amount of money. But you are at the where I would call the very you're in the danger zone. Essentially, you're in that zone that where a few things go wrong, the economy changes a little bit, things change, a contractor rips you off, or you have a bad month, you make a mistake. Let's just call it you're human, right? You do something. We all make mistakes. None of us are perfect. Well, you're not leaving any room in your business for any kind of like rainy day. And when you're at the lower end of the profit margin. So the big thing we spent a lot of energy and time talking about was let's not increase volume, let's increase profit. So his goal for me was let's get to averaging 50K a house. When we do that, then we can talk about doing more houses. Only if we can maintain that 50, 45 to 50K a house. Um, which, by the way, my business plan was all built on 30K because my mind could not even imagine. I had convinced myself that 45 and 50K was not even possible anymore. Sure. And then, so, and I bought every deal thinking I was going to make X dollars. And then when I actually got them all done because I came in under budget, uh, most of them I rehabbed in four, four to six weeks and then I sold them instantaneously. So I was in and out of the deal in two and a half, three months. So, and I usually run all my numbers based on five months. Well, that difference is like 10 grand. I mean, it's a huge difference in cost that I don't have. So everything's about really increasing, making sure that you're at the absolute maximum perfect ratios for your business for flipping before you start increasing volume. Because I hear everyone that says I'm struggling and I'm not making enough money, their solution is let me do more. Yeah. And all you're doing is you're repeating something that's not doing well already. And it actually then it actually makes it worse because you might be able to you might be able to run your, your business model that's not perfect at 10, 20 houses a year, but at 40 houses a year it might implode. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is some really high-level stuff that we're talking about that most people just don't understand. But, I mean, uh, our lending business is, is very, very similar. And believe me, there's a lot of, you know, at the, at the time that we're shooting this video, there is a lot of capital in the space right now. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the carrots dangled of like, hey, we could do twice as much volume but make smaller margins, get cheaper capital from bank institutions. Not doing any of that. Stick to the business model. Make the most you can out of it. Why would you do two deals to make the same amount of money that you can make one on? It, right? It really makes it really makes zero zero sense. And I'm glad you're bringing that up because I know a lot of investors that 
don't execute well and they think the solution is let's just do more and more. I need to buy more and more. And it's stop trying to buy more stuff. That is not the answer. <laughs> do not buy more until you execute perfectly. If you hit your budget, if you hit your time frame, if you, you know, bought it and you bought it at the price you needed, you renovated it at the exact cost you needed to and you sold it at the exact price you wanted to, if you accomplished all of those things, you made exactly what you're expecting to from day one, cool. Maybe that is your next step. But 99% of investors out there are just not it's and you know, it's a tough game like it's you know If you're yes. watching this, it's you know uh, It's not like a stab at you that you're not performing well But what is a stab is if you believe that you need to go do more and more and more without honing in on your trade Start executing mm -hmm. better and after you execute better then you can you know start working that up Yeah, my old business model was like look we'll try that my whole thing that I worked towards how I went from doing 15 20 houses a year to doing 70 a year was I created a business model that said that I could be financially wealthy and I could have enough, make enough money to pay people to take over my position at 100 houses a year at 25K. Um, the reality was every time we kept doing more, our numbers kept going down. So it was almost like at some level we were doing more, but our ratios that protect us started getting thinner. And then we still made good money, but we, I, I, I could have argued that if we were really highly efficient, amazing business, we'd have made $2 million a year. And if that would have been the case, me and him would still be partners. We wouldn't be looking for any new solutions. We wouldn't have scaled back down. But we just realized that it just was impossible to do that many houses together and keep everything efficient. And and honestly, hiring people, every time you put a layer of people in between you, the rainmaker, the person who made the business amazing in the first place, um, you get what I call um, it's a law of diminishing return for sure because I'll get someone that I literally will do my job at 60 to 70 percent of me, and then I have to pay them. So this is like the double whammy. So I'm getting a less return and then actually it costs me money to make them go do that job versus me doing it for free and doing it at 100%. So in my new business, I do everything except for, and I have everyone assist me on the things that can be done at 100% that I don't have to do. Anything that they can't do at 100%, then I personally still do it. And that's why with my new business model as I've evaluated it, uh, I know I can't go over 25 houses a year, and that's that's a lot for most people. But when you're used to doing 70, 25, it's like I'm sleeping doing 25. I feel guilty almost at some level. But I, you know, that might be 10 for the next guy or five for the next guy. That's dis that's called discipline. That that means yeah. like this is a B property. It doesn't meet my model anymore. I'm only doing A properties because this is the amount of money I need to make. Mm -hmm. Dis discipline's hard, and a lot of people, you know, their chase is finding the next deal and the next deal, and the next deal, and they don't think about their bottom line of how much ma how much they're making. They're just like, oh, this is a great deal. I can't turn it down. We're in a mindset of every good deal you got to do, and that's just not it, that's, that's just not the case. And the backup related to you being involved in everything in your business. So you are involved in everything in your business, but you still have somebody on your team that's handling the majority of that action. Unless the hires, yeah. you know, right? That's doing the majority yeah. of that. Um, yeah, right, it's so the eighty twenty rule. You've heard yeah. of that before, right? Absolutely. So I do the twenty percent of stuff that's most important, and I hire. I have people on my team that are doing the eighty percent of stuff that they can do as well as me or better, and then I do the twenty percent that really only I can do at that level. Exactly. All right. So one question that I'd really love to ask everybody, you know, ask, ask any business owner, entrepreneur, because I think it's important and I'm really big into systems and productivity and things like that. Like what do you, what kind of walk us through a day to day? Like what are the most productive things that you're doing on a regular basis? Um, and, you know, just walk us through kind of what a typical day would look like. 
Yeah, so it's very different than the old business. I'll, I'll walk you through a typical day in the old business and the new Perfect. business because I, I would love for you to see the difference. The old business, I woke up at 6 in the morning. I usually worked out till 7. I was in the office by 7.45. Uh, I had usually 15 to 16 appointments a day with people who worked under me, and I would, you know, maybe half hour each, where like essentially managers or people that I want, and I would just do that till about 5 or 6. I come home, eat dinner, then I go back to work for a couple hours and then go to sleep. And I did that seven days a week for the first four years we were in business, roughly, minus, you know, some a week vacation here. I would go on like a week a year, maybe a couple of weekends here and there. Uh, I thought I was a big shot about five years in when I actually started hiring people and started doing that about five to six days a week because then those days off, I didn't know what to do because I was very like narrowly focused and that's how I worked every day. I worked like... I don't know if you could work any more, humanly work any more hours, because even the hours where I shouldn't have been working, I was studying, I was learning, I was, you know, uh, increasing my knowledge, which was very important. Uh, and then, then it got to where, so that was kind of my back then, my new. So this, it's much funnier because my new, my whole new routine is much more set on what I would call personal growth, right? So me and Dave, who's my acquisitions manager, uh, who also happens to live with me, rents out an apartment, it's part of my house. So he walks up the steps, we're at work at 8.30, uh, still work out in the morning, we're at work at 8.30, but we spend a half hour doing uh, like pump up music, uh, a lot of affirmations, we meditate for 10 minutes, uh, we just enjoy ourselves for the first half hour of the day and just get our head straight, clear out any negative thoughts. And, uh, and then we get to work and we jam it out. Like we don't, me and him are both uh, intermittent fasting. So like we don't eat until like one or two o'clock. So we just literally just pound out like almost all of our day's activities by one or two o'clock before we eat. Because once we eat, we usually tend our energy level goes down quite a bit. So a lot of, a lot of Zen stuff going on in a new business. Uh, often me and him will go work out like between lunch or two o'clock. Um, then we'll go see houses if necessary, but we're putting about five, six hours a day in and we're getting just as much done as I was doing in eight, 10, 12 hours a day before. How many offers do you guys put in typically a day or a week? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, the old version I put in about 50 offers a week, roughly, and you know, a couple would get accepted. And the new company, we're a little more selective on putting the offers in. We've gotten it down to a science after doing so many deals that we kind of know where we can spend our time and we can wisely take the time to put offers in because we're finding that the stuff I go see personally is the stuff we get done more often. So I, I probably see five or six houses a week, and right now we're buying about two to three a month. Uh, but they're very good deals. And we're putting in, uh, so Dave looks at everything that's listed on the MLS 100%, not not like sometimes. Every day his routine is he wakes up at eight, the nine, 9 o'clock when we start working, he spends the first three, two to three hours of his day just weeding through all the new listings. And anything, then he starts, and then he spends the next part, next hour or two calling people and trying to negotiate deals. Then he spends his next hour or two calling back any leads that we have. So that's pretty much his full-time job. And then, then I come into play once he filters down to the fact that, okay, this deal makes some sense and it's starting to get in the ballpark. When it gets in the ballpark, then we're, we're good to go. And then direct mail, bandits on stuff that's automated? Yeah, so I mean, I mean, automated to the point that, well, you know, direct, the bandit signs are never automated. We have to, we have someone that puts them out, but they, you know, every week we hire someone new because they're hard to keep, uh, and then we have to train them. So it seems like we've struggled. I, I would tell you my marketing. I had a, about a twenty five hundred dollar a month budget for marketing right now, and I've only spent about half of it in the first six months. 
Just, uh, I've just not been marketing. Well, because deals have been coming to me through MLS, through wholesalers, through connections. And I'm almost like, I'm not going to market until I have to kind of thing. If deals keep coming, then it's almost like, why spend the marketing if I don't sure. need to? Yeah, as long as there's constant deal flow and it doesn't fall in the trap of like, market, 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 I have all these deals and then I'm collapsed. But yeah. as long as deal flow is constantly up, I agree. I mean, there's always more stuff everyone can be marketing on. I mean, you can always, we're not, you know, being a small business owner is not like being a big corporate giant where, hey, I have, you know, a million dollar budget that I need to spend and I got to find something to spend it on. Like we're not looking for ways to spend money if you don't need yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking for ways not to spend money. It's just the opposite. Yeah. I, a lot of my, so the new, you know, we do a lot of stuff and I've also, in the six months we've been in business, I've been on 10 and a half weeks vacation. So uh, I haven't been on 10 and a half weeks vacation uh, probably in the last seven or eight years. So that's, that's the difference in the new business. The new business is not, uh, my life doesn't revolve around the business. The business revolves around my life. So I'm going, I kind of, first thing my new coach had me do was put, put together a eulogy and say, Mike, what is it when you're sitting on your deathbed, what is it you want people, or actually when you're dead and are doing your eulogy, what is it that you want them to say about you and you know, that you accomplished in life and the cool things you did, you know, what is that? And he said, I want you to make a list. And, I went, and then when, he, when we made that, he's like, here, I want you to figure out how you're going to start doing that now. Like, how will you start doing that in the next year? Because you make enough money to do whatever you want, right? He's like, why aren't you doing it? Why haven't you done it in the last 10 years? Well, the simple answer is I was so caught in the hamster wheel of trying to do 100 rehabs a year versus figuring out how to do 10 to 20 rehabs a year and making a, a tremendous income. Because uh, most of the people get into flipping uh, are looking to make 50 to 150 grand a year. In theory, <coughs> excuse me, if you were really good at it, in theory, you could flip three, four houses a year and do that. I mean, yeah. if you're very good at it. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much glorified a way to give yourself a high paying job <laughs> instead of yeah. getting in business. The reason we all get into business is yes, to make money, but also to have a good quality of life and have those to interact at the top. And so many people, and I see this firsthand with, with a lot of business owners, with a lot of real estate investors, I'm like, why are you doing all this? Yeah, you're, you're making this amount of money, but you can go make this money across the street at the business. They can employ you and you make the exact same amount of salary. <laughs> you're just giving yourself a job, but you're taking on all the risk, all the liability, all the headaches. So, it's smart that you, you know, it kind of did that. So, oh, I got one last question for you, and then we're gonna do a, a quick recap. Um, what would, what, what do you think your goals are gonna be for the next kind of five or ten years? Uh, you can either say personal or business or kind of together, but like, where do you see your operation, you know, ten years from now? Yeah, so I mean, I can eat, I can answer this with certainty because part of what I worked on the first two months of starting this business with my coach was clarifying all the things I wanted to do personally, so we could then develop the business and make it make it fun my lifestyle so the key now is I live this epic lifestyle where I travel all the time I travel almost like well ten and a half weeks out of six months I don't even know what that is but roughly that's like forty percent of the time I was traveling and sixty percent of the time I was here so I travel all the time I'm gonna be hitting Europe for a month next year uh, and it's, it's ongoing and I've learned how to do it really affordably by the way I stay in Airbnbs I find make friends and stay with them in extra rooms on the couch uh, I keep it really cheap so I can do more of it. So that's the real key because obviously I, it looks like I'm spending $100,000 a month doing what I do, but I literally have done it all my $80,000 a year income because one of the big things is I cut all the cost out of my life. So where I know I'm going to be in the next five years is I'm going to take what I'm currently doing. I'm not going to scale it up very much, but I'm going to keep repeating 
my amazing business model that will start to make me more money, not because uh, I'm doing more volume, but because at some point I will be all cash, so then I'll cut out my hard money costs in the next five to ten years. Uh, also, I'll be able to you know find better and better deals as I get more efficient at that. I'll be able to rehab them faster, quicker, because I'll keep building systems to tone it down so that I get in and out fast, because uh, that's my whole thing now. It's, not, it's about doing less houses better, because if I'm making 40K a house times you know, let's just call it 20 houses, I'm netting $600,000 a year in income and I'm living on 80. Well, it won't take me very long before I'm an all cash buyer. I mean, you know, actually in the first, I've run the numbers in the first five years, I'll have about a million and a half dollars in cash in the bank that I can use to start funding my business. The, co- the five years after that, I can turn that into about five to seven million dollars, which uh, at that point I can do rehabs, I can pay all cash. It's my competitive edge long term. It's the reason I think I'll be rehabbing 30 years from now is because the one one person that I've seen that makes it through all economies are the people that have all cash and the people that have education, people that understand flipping and they take it as, they don't just take it as this thing I do, but they're constantly learning and they're constantly evolving because there'll be many different markets, but smart people know how to navigate through those markets. Well, well debt definitely kills everything. And I can tell you firsthand that if someone gets a hard money loan from us and they have it out for more than seven months, they are probably not making money on that transaction. And then eight months, nine months, 10 months, they're in the hole, 11 months, 12 months, they're really in a bad situation because it's just too expensive and debt mm-hmm. debt will kill it. So, and one thing you know we've talked about, and it's a very common topic that my business partner, Chris, also and I also bring up, is your assets will always outgrow the amount of money you can make on a per transaction basis. So you're talking about sure. uh, save, you know, saving all this money and either buying, buying other properties or investing in other assets. But we all know that you know, $30,000 for a flip, it's a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but you have hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, and that's invested in assets, and that just spits out income on a regular basis, and that snowballs, and that grows so much longer than the, you know, that, that grows in the background. You know, you don't have to be working <laughs> for that, for that sure. to grow, and that's powerful. Sure. Okay, yeah. so let's just do a quick, uh, quick recap for everybody. So, old model that you're in for a while, you had $100,000 in overhead every month, which is a really scary thing, even though you were doing a ton of deals. Your profit margin per deal ideally was still the same. You had some that were more, some were less, but your profits were still good. But obviously the big issue is you had so much darn overhead uh, on this. And you well, built- it was $21,000 a house was my average back okay. THB. Yeah, so 46 you- now, so big yeah. difference. Yeah, so you built yourself this gigantic mousetrap, this gigantic job on a regular basis, and you had to, had to, had to, had to make sure that you guys made as much money as possible because you had $100,000 if you did zero deals or 20 deals, it didn't matter, you had this debt, this $100,000 overhead, uh, payroll, marketing, everything you had to cover. Kind of scary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, until about a year ago, you set up your new operation, restore a house, one one partner slash staff member and, and a few other um, 1099 guys, overhead's 10 grand. Overhead for being any business, if your overhead is 10 grand, it is freaking nothing. It doesn't matter what business you're in, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and especially for real estate investors that make $30,000 plus per profit per property, right? So, you know, you can cover your entire overhead within the first two, three months of the entire year of doing business. So mm-hmm. that's obviously a really good thing to think about. It's like, hey, I have enough money in the bank to cover this business for the entire year. So all really good stuff. Uh, obviously, the takeaway for every single person that's watching is doing more deals is not necessarily the answer. It's usually not the answer. And in Mike's case, doing less deals and making more profits <laughs> that benefited him great. And that really was a solution on this one. 
Yeah, and there's one other piece, Jason, that's really fairly important is that you're going to make a lot of money when you flip houses, but as we make more money, we level up to the amount of money we make. So, you know, we make a hundred grand, or let's just say when everyone made 50 grand at some point in their life. Well, they found a way to live on 50 grand. You make a hundred, you find a way to live on that. You make 500, everyone's like, oh my God. The people that make 50 are like, you were rich. I was like, no, I found a way to make to spend 500K after taxes and buy a rental or two and then you know go do stupid stuff and buy instant gratification things like toys. And next thing you know, that money's disappeared and you don't really have a lot of savings. You're not in a very different place than a hundred grand a year guy sure. who actually understands how to manage his money really well. So the key is is making this really big difference between what you make and what you spend. The bigger that difference is, the more wealthy you become faster. So for me, it's all about that. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly figuring out how to make more money and spend less money. Because the, the bigger that difference is, the faster I will have the things I need and my company will have what I call a durable competitive advantage. Uh, that's the quote Warren Buffett. Uh, he doesn't buy any companies that don't have durable competitive advantages. So as I try to figure out what that was for flipping houses, honestly it's a cash position. You got two, three million dollars in cash, you're, you're probably going to be in this business a very long time. It's that knowledge, it's a combination of the two. Yeah, if you, if you want to spend money on something, spend it on an asset. <laughs> an income producing asset or an asset that's going to appreciate over time. Because keep in mind, you make all that extra money, you're putting it into an asset. Yes, it's not going into your pocket, so it, it, you may feel like you're poor. Keep in mind, Warren Buffett only, going back to Warren Buffett, he takes $100,000 salary every year. And mm -hmm. he's one of the richest people in the world ever. So, yep. you know, if you, look, if you look at him, you think he's poor if, you know, uh, his, his current spouse says, hey, like, we only have this much money in our checking account. Yeah, but we have all this because I used all the rest of that money and invested into assets. So all good stuff. All right. So what is the best contact for either yourself at Restore House or Dave? What's the best what's the best contact for somebody that uh, you know, you know, may maybe has some questions for you or someone that maybe has an opportunity that could, they could bring your way? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, email is usually the best contact. If you email us at restoreahouse.com or restorehouse at gmail.com. And that's uh R E S T <laughs> O R A house. Like so it's a little spelled a little bit different. So restore house at gmail.com. Yeah. Perfect. All good stuff, Mike. I certainly appreciate it. Cool, man. Thank you. Hi right, man, thanks.